And all this science I don't understand. It's just my job five days a week. The Rocket Man. I tell you what, folks, I'll tell you who does understand it. Jim Odom, 12 jobs, 60 years, just one interview. That's how good Jim Odom was, how good he is, how well he understood that science. Few folks have been more invaluable to the American space program than the rocket man. The Saturn V launch vehicle, the Hubble telescope, the International Dang Space Station. Tell you what, the 1955 Auburn mechanical engineering grad had a heavy, heavy hand in them all. So here's hashtag Giddings, ode to Odom. Well, I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see. It, it looks something like this. Oh. 1.21 gigawatts. What the hell is a gigawatt? <laughs> You're listening to the Hashtag Getting Podcast, brought to you by Auburn University's Samuel Ginn College of Engineering. Welcome, friends. Welcome, one and all, to the latest episode of Hashtag Getting the Greatest Podcast in all of higher education. Austin Austin is nodding along. That would be Austin Phillips, Director of the Office of Communications and Marketing for the Samuel Ginn College of Engineering. I'm a uh, communications specialist with the, uh, that's what they call me. Not so bad yourself. Not so <laughs> specialist. Mm-hmm. For the uh, aforementioned office, we're joined, uh, as always, by Marcus Klutz over here on the keys, looking sharp. He's got his orange back on. Mm-hmm. Orange is back on. And today, we are joined by one of the most distinguished Auburn grads to enter the space industry. You got your Mattingleys. You got your Jan Davises. Hey, in my book, I, I'm, I'm an Odom man. I'm an Odom man. Jim, thanks so much. Jim Odom, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. My pleasure. How are you? I've been looking forward to this one. So we gave Jim the Distinguished Auburn Engineer Award a couple months ago that the Alumni Council gives every year. It's one of the highest honors that the college gives. And uh, just listening to Jim talk that day, um, I, I've been looking forward to this and getting him to sit down in here. Well, we've had so many folks who have played an integral part, not only in the space program, but uh, getting to the to the moon. And, uh, and, and here we are. Saturn five. That's a that's a term you hear you hear thrown around a pretty good bit. And uh so I can't yeah, we can't wait to uh talk about that. Sometimes I wonder how in the world we got up there and uh I guess I'm sitting sitting by it. So That's right. We're about anyway. to find out. Fifty five graduate. Why in the world did you come to Auburn? Uh I grew up on a farm down in South Alabama and my dad also had a garage. So I kinda grew up in the mechanic field. And uh, he, my dad encouraged it, but for some reason, I always wanted to be a mechanical engineer. And uh, I really wanted to build uh, a better diesel engine, but uh, that never happened. Uh, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Well, you still, you still uh, did all right for yourself. Yeah, I don't, don't exactly. So, don't feel so bad yeah. here. Don't put yourself down. Uh, in uh, 63, you're appointed Chief of Engineering and Test Operations for the second stage of the Saturn V. I'm getting ahead of myself, though. Talk about you, you go into the Army in 56. You graduate, you get drafted. Right. Right. And stationed. Uh, actually, I was uh, stationed in uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky, in an engineering battalion. And my uh, landlord, who 
my wife and I were renting from in Decatur. Uh, when I came home after basic training, he said, would you like to work on rockets in Huntsville? And I said, well, very definitely. <laughs> so uh, he said, at, at that time, Dr. Von Brown and General Medeiros that was running the Army Ballistic Missile Agency had to call on any, <clears throat> just about anybody in the Army they wanted. Uh, and then there was a kind of a special program called services, another word. But uh, uh, so they uh, just put in, and uh, uh, I spent three days in Kentucky and then had orders to come back to, uh, to Redstone. Not something I had anything to do with. Uh, and I look back and, uh, at my career, and it was totally directed by strangers in my life. And, and I, as I look at it, uh, I was extremely fortunate, and we'll talk about that more. But uh, if I had planned it, I would have probably screwed it up pretty miserably. <laughs> but uh, uh, when I got involved with, uh, with rockets, they were a lot of fun. Well, and uh, so as history will bear it out, I stayed there for business for about 60 years. So what they see in you? Why you? Uh, I think uh, I had a, I had a good education uh, from uh, from Auburn, uh, and it uh, they needed a lot of mechanical engineers, and uh, they uh, they took a chance on me because I didn't have any, that much experience for to to tell them about, but uh, they were willing to take a chance, and they did that on a lot of hundreds and hundreds of young engineers and uh the just the group of the army that i was in there was probably 130 of us and they were everything from physicists to chemists to uh all of the engineering fields were represented in that roughly 130 gis that were working uh on the uh army ballistic missiles right well so you are you, you know the ballistic missiles you're going and the space program uh is the space program but then but then when uh president kennedy announces this crazy thing that we're getting to the moon uh i mean how when you first heard that we're going to get to the moon by what what was the promise the end of the decade yeah, mm-hmm. six, right. so by the before end of the decade, 70. before yeah. 70 we're going to get there so what when you hear that what goes on in your mind uh we were uh just to go back just a, a little bit uh when we came over nasa was formed uh, there were a number of us was put into what was called the Agena office, and we were launching. We were buying the uh, the rockets from the Air Force, Thor's and Atlas's, and we put a second stage on it. And we, our job was to launch all of the NASA satellites. And we launched weather satellites. We launched communication satellites. We launched rangers that explored the moon, that picked the landing sites for a for Apollo. So our, we had had a very good experience, and we did that for about three years. And then when the notion, when the president had the notion to go to the moon, uh, that was in about the 62, 63 time frame that we started really gearing up for it. And uh, to when, uh, when our boss, who was Dr. Von Braun, uh, he helped convince the president, I think, uh, that we could go to the moon and we could make it within the decade. But when you look back, we didn't even have a vehicle design. 
We didn't have the facilities. NASA was just formed. And uh, we were really just getting geared up. So we had to build all of the manufacturing facilities to build the rocket. We had to build all the test facilities at Stennis and in the West Coast to test the engines and to test the vehicles, much less the launch facilities to launch it. So getting all of that done uh, in parallel, we had to start building facilities while we were designing the vehicles. So you can't build a facility if you don't know a little bit about what it's going to build or what it's going to test. So it was a, it was a, it was a challenge, but it was a great challenge, and it was a, just a lot of fun to to do it. You know, I'm, I'm sure at the time you're just you're immersed in it, you're doing it. That we've got this ambitious goal, but as you look back at it now, do you ever just think, "Gosh, how did we, how did we get that done in, the, yeah, in that I'm, time you're, frame?" The good point. Uh, I, I look back now, and um, and we, the challenge was I wouldn't say it was overwhelming, but it was certainly challenging. Yeah, well, well I mean, you're, was, we're talking about something you've we've never never done, done before, yeah. especially in this magnitude. Because the Saturn V vehicle was big. Yeah. It was very powerful. Uh, it had went through a lot of environments in flight that we had to deal with. Uh, and we, uh, uh, but we had good leadership and we had budget to do it, which is extremely important. But, uh, the Von Brown team that we had was absolutely excellent. They, they brought a lot of experience from a launch vehicle. Uh, to help us bootstrap, and uh, without that, we probably would never uh, would never have made it. I'm not so sure without von Braun convincing the president we would have ever gone to the moon. That's that's my opinion. Well, the psychological factor, I guess, also of the the Soviets uh, in the you know this this race uh, to get up there. I mean, how did how did that factor in to, that to was things? Significant. We don't talk about it a lot. We didn't talk about it a lot then. But didn't we talk about it much. <laughs> not a lot. We kept up with what they were doing. We're throwing throwing darts <laughs> at Khrushchev or anything. But, uh, no? uh, but uh, the Cold War was real, and and that I think put uh, it, it put the finishing touches on the challenge for us to be successful to get to, to beat the Russians to the moon, because I think it it meant a lot politically. It meant a lot economically. It meant a lot technologically. Uh, so from that standpoint, it was a, a challenge, but it added just enough to make us really want to do it. Right, right. I've always thought that. I, I read an article the other day just about the uh, the the panic. Now, I couldn't tell if it was for real or not when Sputnik, right. you know, in 57, right? So right. you would have just been, uh, you know, a couple of years. Do you, do you remember that? Do you remember there being some sort of just, oh, my gosh. Extremely that- well, because in we re- the reason we remember it, we could have gone first. Mm-hmm. We had a, a satellite uh, and a vehicle that was didn't need a lot of modification. Did, we didn't have a satellite designed, but we knew how to put satellites up. And we had a Redstone rocket that uh, – uh, that we had set aside to do that, and but uh, politically we weren't allowed to do it, and for probably the right reason. But it was very it was very discouraging to us when the Russians put the first one up. But needless to say, it didn't take us long to catch up 
No. And I'm sure it was demoralizing to them, too, as oh, yeah. when we got to the moon. Of, mm-hmm. you know, they've done it, yeah. We talked about some of the, uh, you know, the the contributors to the space program in Auburn's mm-hmm. trophy case. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, uh, we we recently put the, the magazine out. There's some good story in here about this Jim Odom guy. <laughs> it's a pretty good story. Uh, but uh, Cliff Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know Cliff? No, uh, I He was in the uh, the third class of astronauts and I think graduated in 54 yeah, in mechanical yeah, I, was, I think I was probably already gone. Yeah, well, he was. He, I think he graduated in 54 but anyway, I didn't know if mm-hmm. you know. And he he passed away uh, tragically in '67. Right. But uh, was in line for the uh, you know the the mission, the moon right. the moon mission. Oh it yeah, just, I, I, I take that back. I knew him just. Uh, I met him, but I didn't get to work with him much. Sure. Like Jeremy said, in addition to the awesome story about yourself, we uh, we've got some some great stories in the upcoming magazine that folks need to check out. Now, growing up, Austin and I every every week we get a weekly reader. In, in school and I swear every cover every other cover was something about the Hubble telescope it was big deal big deal talk about the Hubble 83 you're appointed manager of the Hubble Space Telescope Office that was a pretty big deal back in the day huh that was uh, that was a, <clears throat> a pleasant surprise uh, we <clears throat> the, the program was very well designed it was had a very good start it was underfunded uh, the, uh, the original estimate was about $400 million. And uh, uh, they were running out of money. They were having to take hardware out of the program. They were having to basically almost decimate uh, the program. Uh, and NASA kind of said, wait, and uh, let's see if we can uh, basically start it back up and get new funding. So I was asked to come in and um, take it over and get uh, the additional funding, we did an estimate to complete it, and we estimated it would take about another seven hundred million to complete it. Uh, and this was uh, this was in eighty three. Uh, that was and, a lot of money back then, and uh, there was a lot of money back then. <laughs> and, a lot of money today, <laughs> and uh, and I'm, it was a, an interesting experience for me because uh, I don't know of anyone else. Certainly, I didn't have to do it again. Uh, we came up with the estimate. Normally, you give the estimate to headquarters from the center. You give the uh, information to headquarters, and they go to the Hill and and present it. Uh, this time, I got to go to the Hill and present it. And uh, uh, fortunately, I had three good staffers that that worked with us on the uh, from all the committees in the House and the Senate. We got uh, some two of them I had known before. And uh, we presented our budget, uh, and they said, "Okay, we will we'll recommend that you start." Uh, but I had uh, I had to lay out a manpower plan, how many basically heads we were going to have working each month, what hardware uh, we were buying, when it would be delivered, uh, and we had to lay that whole plan out for them. And then I had to go back every other month to the Hill and present it to them to show that we were on, uh, we were consistent uh, with our plan. I think I did that three times, and I, I don't remember ever have. I never had to do that for a program before, but it, it it required that much attention because when you add that much money, as you were just observing, <laughs> uh, you're gonna get 
uh, adequate scrutiny. So, uh, but after about the third time, they said, we believe you. And so they let us uh, go on and, uh, and finish the program. And all we did, we didn't change any design. We didn't change any plan. All we had to do was go back and implement what the team had done from, uh, from day one. They had a great engineering staff in the project office. We had great engineering support uh, from our engineering organizations at, at NASA. We had in- great support from the other NASA centers that were, that were involved. So we couldn't have had a, uh, a better team. Uh, and um, when we finally got ready to, uh, uh, to almost ready to launch it uh, in January, uh, we had a Challenger accident that lost the shuttle. We were going to launch in August, so technically, uh, uh, we were we were on the ground almost four years, better than three. And our design requirement was for uh, operational spacecraft for ten years. So technically, we used up almost four years of the ten on the ground. Uh, but when we finally uh, did get it launched, as you may recall, we had a problem with the mirror. We had misground the, the, the mirror is about eight feet in diameter. We had misground about the outer foot of the mirror, uh, about one-fiftieth the diameter of a human hair. Oh That's how much we missed it, but optically it was a, a disaster. Uh, but as soon as, and we couldn't check it on the ground. You can't check a few million miles uh, right. optics on the ground. So we, uh, uh, as soon as we got it up and fired it up, we could see exactly what was wrong. And uh, fortunately, it was easy to fix. All we really did was went in and put basically a set of eyeglasses between the light source coming in uh, and the mirror, uh, which corrected it, it works just like your glasses do. Uh, and uh, it brought it back exactly where we wanted it. Uh, and the, the performance of it has just been outstanding. I could not be, be prouder of it. And to think now, in April of next year, it will have been up there 30 years. That's wild. And the images that we get, like you said, still, are, are just, just unbelievable. Unbelievable. We'll talk about big money programs. You also uh, directed the $24 billion International Space Station program. Uh, talk about your experience. Right. When I finished up Hubble, uh, Space Station was just getting started. And there was a person in headquarters called the Associate Administrator for Space Station. That was the title. And I reported directly to the administrator, and I was the second one. This program had was just really getting started, and uh, we called it the Freedom Space Station. Uh, we'll jab at the comments and, there. <laughs> and we, uh, uh, it was it was a great experience. That was a a great experience starting up a big program like that, which obviously I had never done, but I had good support with the administrator and all the people in Washington and and the Congress was pretty much behind it. Uh, I did that for almost three years and then I retired. I stayed three extra years to do that uh, that I didn't plan to but uh, uh, and then they soon after that we brought the Russians in and did a redesign and how was that? 
Uh, that was probably the right thing to do. Uh, we talked about the Cold War earlier. Uh, it was a way to, uh, to kindly get joined at the hip. Is this after the Berlin Wall came down? Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was uh, – uh, it was a good thing. Uh, it's there's some of it I would have done differently, but uh, it has been a pretty successful program. Uh, we've done a lot of science up there, uh, a lot more than the public will ever ever know about. But it's it's still a great functioning facility, and it's still very very productive. And how cool is it that you could still at night? You can still see that thing move across the sky it's, on certain nights. And it and it still amazes me how fast it goes. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> Speaking of incredible facilities, what about uh, the stuff you're seeing on campus these days? How's that, how's that treating you? Well, we were talking about it earlier. To me, I'm extremely gratified. I'm, I enjoy still staying connected with engineering and research uh, here. And uh, we are... Uh, I could not be more pleased and more excited about the quality of engineers that are being put out, the quantity that's being put out, but extremely I'm impressed and pleased with the facilities. When I walk around and look at these facilities, they are absolutely first class. Different, different place from, from back when you oh, were man, here. Oh, really, really was. It's a pretty small corner. Yeah, that's up right. Up there when, uh, when I was here, but I've enjoyed watching it. Uh, over the years and being associated with it it's been fun and uh and i still still enjoy it but the facilities and the staff to me are absolutely first class and uh i think one of the best in the sec so the president says you know within the next five years we're going back to the moon uh Mm -hmm. and possibly beyond to mars so an Auburn student right now wanting to get into the space program, what would be your advice to them? I would, I'd still tell them to get in. It's still going to be fun. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot uh, lesser uh, pace. Uh, it's, uh, but to go back to the moon will still be a challenge. And the thing is, this time, we'll go back there. We'll stay longer. But to me, the real challenge is to go to Mars. And that's something we've wanted to do since I was we were right after the Apollo program. Von Brown really wanted to go to Mars then, and uh, and a lot of us would have liked to have done that, but uh, history thought differently. But it's uh, uh, the the Mars mission will be a challenge, big challenge, and uh, the trip is just so long. <clears throat> I think we really need nuclear propulsion to get there quicker and return quicker. That would make the mission uh, significantly easier, and hopefully that will happen. Well, maybe you could work on that diesel engine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll help us uh, get back there. Uh, they're, they're a bit more sophisticated than they used to be. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Jim, can't thank you enough for uh, for your time. Uh, this has been great. This is fascinating. We, we, we could spend all day on We love on the this. space ones, and uh, this is this is the best. And it's so, so. cool, I mean, for, for a person like yourself and, and many other Auburn men and women that played such a significant role in the space program, <clears throat> and here we are with our additive manufacturing initiative right. right now playing another part in the in the upper booster of the rocket that's going to get us back there so it comes full circle it's just so cool man war eagle baby. i'm glad you mentioned additive manufacturing that's a uh i've been watching that at, at nasa and huntsville for a long time i'm delighted now y'all joined at the hip with that and if you just look at the industry in auburn 
from just additive manufacturing, how much that has happened in the last 10 years and where it'll go in the next 15, 20 years is just absolutely outstanding and intriguing. It's just, uh, uh, I thoroughly enjoy it. Jim, thanks so much for your time. We, uh, we really appreciate it. It was, it was great meeting you in honor. And uh, thanks so much for your contributions. It's my great. pleasure. Awesome. Thank you, Jim. War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle.